Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Welcome back. This week, I'm bringing you a bit of a different topic, but one that's super important to me and I love to do, which is reading. Now, it's something we've not really talked about on Brain Care, which is honestly a bit surprising because it's something that I love and I do a lot, but Audible is my way of getting through books. And I tend to read a book that I absolutely love. And if I found myself taking too many notes, I end up buying the hardback cover as well and then highlighting a bunch of stuff too. So I get a bit of a a mix match there. On today's show, we have Ed Cunningham, who is the host of A Need to Read, which is a podcast all about honest and engaging book reviews. I was sort of inspired to do this because I was uh, recording an episode on my favorite brain health books recently. And I thought a nice addition would actually to be talk about the best mental health books, but with someone who ultimately knows a little bit more about the space of reading, brings a little bit more panache and credibility to the topic potentially. So Ed, welcome and please introduce yourself. Thank you very much, mate. Um, yeah, I, I don't know that much about panache or authority because I think when it comes to books, like it's all subjective, but I do read a lot of books and talk about a lot of books. So I guess it kind of has, by default, I've become an authority somewhat in, in that realm. But yeah, so I, I host a podcast, Need to Read, and it all was just born out of the idea that I couldn't find anyone who was reviewing books who wasn't talking about the prose or the vocabulary or all of the things that are, I guess, kind of important, but you don't really need to know about them or talk about them unless you're being somewhat pretentious um, in a way. Right. Yeah. You're like the non-snobby version. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially just like making it a little bit grimy and I don't really know where to use commas kind of thing. Makes a lot of sense. Okay, fine. So first question before we get into any of the detail, what's your like approach to, so obviously you read a lot, what's your approach to kind of restoring some of the memory of the things that you are learning? Because I think that's my biggest challenge personally. I think the biggest thing people need to come to terms with, like when they're trying to remember what they're reading, is if you're reading a lot of books, you're just never going to be able to remember it all. Like sometimes with books, it's like maybe four or five years or even someone's life's work condensed into 300 pages. So you, you don't necessarily need to try and remember all of that. I always just try and aim with a book. So if I kind of know what the book's about, I'm like, right, what would I, what do I need to take from this book? Because I sort of prescribe myself books, which we can talk about in a moment. But yeah, so I'll, I'll aim at a book and I'm like, right, what's the question I need answering? And once I've got those questions answered, I'm not that bothered about remembering much more because what's the point? It, it might solidify a concept or an idea in my head, but it only takes the place of another idea that I'll probably forget and, and make way for this new one. So I think the main thing about remembering it is is kind of going easy on yourself about how little you will actually remember, which is not as good as saying like, hey, if you read in this sequence or make notes at the end of every chapter you'll remember more sure you will and like yourself doing reviews you'll remember more from doing that because teaching other people is just prolonging your sort of um the forgetting curve for you so you can start by being like right i don't need to remember that much but then secondly just be telling other people about what you're reading make it casual try and not make it a chore as it were 
Yeah, makes sense. Um, and one thing that I'm often criticised by by my friends is the fact that I'm, you know, I'm so into like self development and wellness and science that I really stick to those types of books. I don't do much fiction because I my vibe there is I watch a lot of films and that's all fiction. So it's not like I I don't get that, but I guess there's not. Yeah, it's a hard one to compare, but you know. Good documentaries about this stuff are sort of far and few between, whereas great films about brilliant ideas are not. So I guess I use, like, for me, reading about how I can personally grow and, you know, the TV about how I can sort of creatively explore. What's your mix? Um, I read a lot of novels now. I'm, I'm currently reading, I'm writing a novel, so I'm trying to just read everything in the genre I'm trying to write. And I understand what you're saying about good films because I think I've just recently discovered good films. I think I've had poor film taste all my life. But since I've been reading more, like it, it works your imagination. I think for yourself, someone who values creativity, reading novels that do take you to another world just takes you out of the realm that you're operating in at the moment, gives your brain that kind of active rest of just imagining a new world, setting up um, like on the topic of brain care, like I'm pretty sure it's new neural pathways are built every time you're using your imagination. So I read a lot of novels, but I also do watch quite a bit of like a good films because that's, of course, subjective. Okay, so let's talk about some of your favourite mental health books then. Take us through what you've read that's really inspired you and why. Uh, so in line with the article that I've written for you guys, the the top seven that I would go for, and I want to caveat this again, which makes me a terrible person to go on podcast by saying like, my mind changes on this week by week. Um, but the top one that I put on there was The Chimp Paradox by Professor Steve Peters, because it was one of the first books I'd read about my mind. I'd been forced to that point by like severely falling out with my mind, not understanding why I was thinking certain things or my emotions were playing different tricks on me. So reading The Chimp Paradox and understanding my mind in quite a simple metaphor was such a game changer for me. It has to take like quite a lot of credit when it comes to mental health books. Um, have you read it yourself? I have, yeah. It's been actually many years since I read it, but you're right. It's just explaining some of the rationality and it more so irrationality of what goes on inside our heads right yeah for sure and yeah it's superb like the monkey mind is something you find it's in if you're into philosophy like a lot of buddhism they talk of like the monkey mind and it's it's quite a a big thing in the east monk mind and monkey mind yeah yeah um so yeah the, the chimp paradox is brilliant and then i think when it comes to your mental health there are so many different behaviors and things well you've got your 10 pillars of brain care right um so you have to build those habits. So I think someone in wherever you are in your mental health, whether you're sad, whether you're happy, reading something like Atomic Habits, learning how to create healthy habits for yourself and to make them last, it's so important to just be a little bit more chipper or just a little less sad. It's just building those solid habits, getting the reward from making a commitment to yourself every day. And I think the way that James Clear, he puts it so simply it's hard not to understand and not to be able to implement. So we've got Atomic Habits. Tell me some more. Uh, so The Happiness Trap by Russ Harris is based on ACT therapy. How much you enjoy the book will depend on how much you need it, I think. And that speaks to pretty much any nonfiction book that you're reading um, at the time. It just depends on how interested you are in it. If you're someone who is sad or quite anxious, The Happiness Trap is quite a nice intervention. 
because it's based on ACT therapy, which is acceptance and commitment therapy, and just gives you so many different tools and techniques. It's just how to live with a little bit more synergy between yourself and your mind. Intrusive thoughts or negative thoughts. One of my favorite things to do used to be trying to predict the future when I was feeling super anxious. And I'd spend half my life thinking about what was going to happen next and what was going to happen soon. And then reading this book, it's like, okay, well, if you're having in-depth like image visions of what the future is going to look like and it's not looking good for you because if you've got a propensity to be anxious, you're probably not being kind to yourself in your imagination. It's like, right, well, just imagine it as a cartoon. So you could be imagining two of your friends talking about you in a negative way. If you, in your mind, instantly change that to your two friends are now Shrek and Fiona and they've both got Scottish accents, you're trying to predict the future or imagining what someone else is talking about you, all of a sudden becomes a lot less powerful because you're like, oh, I can, I can put that image there so I can take it away. So it's got loads of little techniques like that that are really, really empowering and ultimately just super, super helpful. Love it. Okay, so I've not read that one and I've uh, we've now started to scratch the surface of new books that I can read. So thank you. You said seven, right? So we're up to, we've had three, we've got four left. So we got Happy by Darren Brown. I had no idea that Darren Brown was so intelligent. Of course, really? he is, he's a magician, he's super <laughs> yeah, successful. Exactly. I, 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 yeah, like I didn't know like just what it took. And reading his book, Happy, was like kind of my my introduction into stoicism and different types of philosophies and and sort of lines of thought. I actually did listen to that book. It's complex ideas, kind of made simple by a lovely voice, essentially, if you listen to it on Audible. And then Emotional Agility by Susan David, which kind of does what it says in the tin. I think when, like in life, everyone knows by now or should be kind of coming to terms with the fact that we cannot control what happens to us. We can not control the emotions that come up. So if something terrible happens, negative emotions are going to be there. And emotional agility is essentially about moving with it, being agile, being able to move through your emotions so you're not getting too upset. And she uses a great analogy about people who walk in the rain and people who run in the rain and people who dance in the rain. Is there are people who will just walk in the rain and they'll just accept what happens to them. There are people who are running in the rain and try and get out of it. And there are people who just dance in the rain. They're happy. It doesn't matter which one of those people you are, you're, you're still going to get wet, but it's just about how much you enjoy the process of it. So similarly, along the lines of like philosophy or like Amor Fati, the Stoic um, or Latin phrase of like the love of fate, it's just about being with what happens to you and then trying to enjoy it as much as possible. Love it. Okay. Tell me another one. So the Book of Rest. So the Book of Rest, Gabrielle Brown, James Reeves, it is like the counter intuitive kind of approach to getting on in life is resting something I'm terrible at I'm sure yourself as an entrepreneur like you've learned along the years to try and rest or I do my best one of my favorite books is rest by Alex Pang and it sounds similar we've had him on the podcast but you know probably like you I can't I can't really stress enough just I mean obviously putting everything into practice is always the hard bit but hearing the science behind rest and all this stuff is fantastic isn't it makes a big difference yeah yeah. And this book's more on like the spiritual side of it. So he's a yoga nidra teacher, um, James and Gabrielle's a yoga teacher and writer. And they just sort of, they're, they're a couple and they combine to write this book just about how important it is to stop, not even just to meditate, not to listen to anything, to just stop and to just be 
and to be okay with that, which is so much more difficult than it's it's made out to be. Um, so it's, it gets a lot of guided meditations in there, which are pretty useful. Um, and then the final one is Rising Strong. So these seven books have all like come to me at different stages um, of my life and sort of when when I've needed them. Rising Strong was at a point when I'd just been signed off work. My grandma had just died. I then eventually left that job because of issues with that. And I just, I think I'd just broken up with a girlfriend. Like there was a few things that just combined to just mean that I was just down in the dumps. And I'd got to a point of, right, am I at the lowest I'm going to get? Of course, time's gone on and, and, no, I wasn't, but I started reading Rising Strong by Brene Brown. And that is about showing up with vulnerability, which is essentially the root out of suffering is being vulnerable, sharing it with others, talking to others about your experience and, and just sort of calling in that help through vulnerability, uh, which is a massive lesson for me. I think especially being a bloke, as much as we do get a lot of privilege is in life, like being vulnerable isn't something that is taught to us I don't think I mean, I'm speaking on sort of my experience and I think I even had it encouraged quite a bit as a child so I think it's a lot worse for for other men out there when it comes to vulnerability so I feel like that's a super important book I mean this is a perfect segue actually to uh, so I want to come back in this in the next episode and actually talk to you on I guess more of a personal note about your uh, experience with mental health as well so doing what Brene Brown would be proud of and uh, pushing you to discuss some of your vulnerabilities and experiences to see if it can help you and others. Um, so that's all from us on the best mental health books for now. Do hope you enjoyed this episode. I know it's a bit of a different one, but again, neuroplasticity and learning is one of our brain care pillars. And so, um, you know, this is really a test episode to see how people feel about being recommended books, right? And being like recommended a conversation around more ways to read and more ways to learn. So do give us your feedback. We'll find out what you think. And the next episode will be, I guess, a bit more back to our normal programming once again with Ed, this time talking about mental health. So back on Sunday. Thanks, Ed. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Heights started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So, for weekly science-packed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next time.